0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Yeah, so um, I just have a couple minutes to to give you an exhortation about um, the Serve Sunday signups, and then Graham will come and bring the word in just a few minutes. So I'm really excited to do this because... Serve Sunday signups might be my favorite Sundays of the year. And the reason is, is because I love seeing the body of Christ working together. And I just have such a passion for seeing each person really understanding understanding and valuing the part that they bring to the whole. And um, so God had this, awesome idea of how it would work, of how serving in the church would work. In Romans 12, he compares it to our body. He says, you each have a body with many members, meaning you've got arms, legs, fingers, toes, a brain, a heart, eyes, mouth, and each has a different function, but together it makes up a body. Same way in the body of Christ, we each are a part that makes up a whole healthy body of Christ. So I was entertaining myself while I was thinking about this, And I was thinking, so if certain people, like, decide not to be their part in the body, then we're kind of like a grotesque monster church because we're, like, missing body parts, and that's disgusting. So I was like, well, we really, you know, we each need to do our our part so, so we can be healthy. And you each have something, right? There's no one that's been left out. You, and you each have a valuable um, thing you can offer. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12 in the message. I really like this, the way um, God talks about it here. So it says, in this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. So you're going to feel meaning and get your meaning from being a part of a whole. Isn't that kind of cool? Okay, the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Oh, I already read that. Okay, sorry. Finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? (laughs) So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently, excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. Who wants to do that? Who wants to waste their time wishing they had somebody else's something? Just be happy with what you got because it's good. Yes. Or trying to be something you aren't. If you preach, just preach, preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. So I love that. Um, The church will work best when every part is functioning. It can't happen with just a few handful of people doing something great. It won't be what God intended. It'll only be what God intended when we all participate. So there's a place for everybody. Um, Let's say that you're technically minded, good with a computer, that kind of a thing. Well, then the graphics team might be perfect for you. Or let's say you just love babies and you're good with babies. The nursery would be a great fit. Maybe you are a um, really patient, uh, happy person. Kids ministry would be awesome. That's what kids need. You know? Um, Maybe you're organized. And, um, you know, maybe the check-in positions for nursery or kids church would be good for you. Uh, Maybe you're just kind of a helpful person. It doesn't really matter what it is. You can just kind of do it and you're able to just help in any way, the Sunday Atmosphere team or several others would, would really um, fit you well. You know, maybe you have a heart to pray for people and you have the gift of faith. Joining the prayer team would be really good. So there's a place for everybody. Um, how many of you, as I'm looking out, I'm just feeling really thankful because you guys have served well. I'm, I look at you and I, I can remember over the years all the different places you've served, and good job, you know, you're doing a great job. Um, how many of you are thinking, like, I think I want to kind of stick with the ministry I've been doing. It's a good fit, and I kind of just want to stick with it another year. Yeah, yeah. How many of you are kind of like, well, I think I kind of want to change, maybe try something else? Anybody else, anybody feeling that way? I felt like that way sometimes. Um, so, and, and some of you might be like, well, I don't know where I would serve, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's okay, too. Um, there is a packet on the back table that explains each area and the requirements. It's really well done, you just gotta read it, so great. Um, so that can help answer some of your questions. And also, if you're just not sure, talk talk to me, talk to Tori, talk to somebody, and we can figure out, okay, what would be a good fit for you in your situation, and your your time commitment, and that sort of thing. Um, everybody who considers the expectation is that everyone who considers New Day, your, their church, whether you're a member or not, this is your church, this is where you come and belong, the expectation is that you would serve in some capacity. Now, there's always extenuating circumstances every so often. Well, yes, this happens where there's something going on in your life or just your situation doesn't allow you to commit to something on Sundays. Talk to us about that. Um, what I wouldn't want to have happen is you decide that apart from relationship because and, and, then you'll just be over here and you're not going to feel connected. So if you, for some reason, can't fit into something, talk to us about it. We'll either figure something out or you know, and it, um, you'll be excused. But it'll be within relationship. It'll be healthy that way. Okay, and the other thing is most roles, and you'll see on there when you read the packet, most roles require membership. So this is how we'll do it. If you're not a member yet, sign up for the role you want anyway. Just go ahead and sign up. And, and then let us know that you need to become a member, and then we'll... Um, Set up a time to go over the membership information and get that done before September, which is when the new teams start. So, so don't let that hold you back. Just go ahead and sign where you want to sign and then let us know about that. So does that sound good? You guys ready at the end of service? We can accomplish great things together. And there will be two short videos at the end of the service that will kind of explain the logistics that I didn't All
1: right, let's welcome Graham to give amazing message. Thanks, Marilyn. And uh, this morning's message is from 1 Peter chapter 4, and actually ties in very well with uh, what Marilyn was just sharing with us. So, good morning, everyone. My name is Graham, and it's uh, great to be here to share the word with you. And uh, those of you who have been here the last couple of months, you'll know, or just a few weeks, you'll know that we've been going through 1 Peter and it's a little bit of a different feel for us at New Day where we're just going through verse by verse. But I hope it's been a blessing to you as we've gone through and just read God's word really closely together. And just really taken God's word piece by piece and just kind of meditating on it and just let it sink into our hearts and our minds. So this morning we are right in the middle of 1 Peter chapter 4. That's where we left off last week and we're going to pick up in verse 7. Um, today's message will take us all the way through the end of chapter 4, and then next week it's chapter 5, and Aaron will take you through that chapter to finish out this series. Um, one of the things about First Peter that makes it interesting is that it wasn't written to one particular church congregation or one particular person. It was written to Christians who were spread out over this wide area. And so Peter writes this message to really encourage these believers that are spread out all over this region, and one of the words he uses very, very early um, in 1 Peter in chapter 1 is he calls them exiles, calls them exiles, and that word is important because an exile is somebody who's kind of pushed out from where they were comfortable, they've left home, and they're kind of on the margins of society, they're kind of on the edge of society, and I want you to keep that um, idea in mind because it's going to come back a little bit later this morning as an idea that's really important, that these are people who are not Um, at the heart of society, they're kind of pushed towards the edge. They're not where maybe the main flow of society is going. They're not making all these big decisions that influence society as a whole. They're kind of on the edges. So these are the types of people that Peter is writing to, and that will come into play a little bit later on um, as we're in the second section for this morning. So let me just explain where we're going this morning. First Peter chapter 4 verses uh, 7 to 11 is going to be part 1 for this morning. And then once we wrap up that part, we're going to go into verses 12 to 19, and 12 to 19 will wrap up the uh, the chapter. We're going to treat them as two pretty separate um, sections this morning because when you read through, it's clear there's a pretty big break between chapter uh, 4, verse 11, and then verse 12. So that's how we're going to treat them. We're going to follow the flow of the passage this morning. All right, so let's jump in. So we've been going through verse by verse, and where we pick up after verse six is Peter has just been talking about, you know, these Christians, these exiles that are kind of in, spread out all over the place. They're kind of at the edges of society. Peter has just talked to them in verses one through six, and he said you should relate to people outside of the church in a certain way, right? You used to live this really sinful life. You used to do all sorts of sinful things. You used to be one of those people, but you became a Christian and you separated yourself. That lifestyle and not because you are living your lifestyle in a very different way those people that used to associate with you they're turning around and they're heaping abuse on you they're causing you pain and suffering they are mocking you because of your your Christian life and Peter gives them some guidelines in verses 1 to 6 about how to deal with that well now that emphasis has changed in verses 7 to 11 Peter is no longer talking about how Christians should relate with people outside of the church. Verses 7 to 11 is like family time. This is family chat. Alright? This is for us, right? Christians together. Not talking about how we relate to people outside of the four walls of the church. This is how we relate to each other inside the church. So you ready? This is how we're to relate to each other inside the church. And uh, he gives us some really practical pointers. He gives us some really good ideas for how to think about living together in community. And so we're going to go through that. So let's read these first few verses together.
0: Here we go.
1: All right, I'm going to read them to you. It's all in there. So, verse 7. There we go, just like that. So you threaten it, and yeah. then it comes. To the thing. So I'm not going to use you. Then. All right. So the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I don't know if this passage covers technology and grumbling, but it says in verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory And the power forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to stop it right there because that's our initial section for this morning. So one of the things that you'll see very quickly is that Peter is just addressing the Christians who are in the church. He's not, again, as I said, he's not talking about how we relate to people who are outside of the church. The first thing that Peter says is that there's a certain uh, mindset that we're supposed to have. He says, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. And because of that, we should be alert and of sober mind so that we may pray. So what does that mean? Have you ever been in a season of life and you just kind of know that it's coming to a close? You have that sense that that season of life is coming to a close. And it could be, you know, a work situation like a job that's coming to an end or some kind of change that's coming up related to your career. Or maybe it's family situation. Or you just know that there's a change coming that the end is near or maybe it's a health issue or a diagnosis where you say boy life as i have lived it up to this point is different from now on things are going to be different and the end of one season is near i think often for many of us in those seasons we instinctively adopt a different mindset where suddenly our mind begins to prioritize things a little differently Where we begin to think a little more clearly Where our minds are a little more alert And focused and sober There's a mindset From that point then that leads us into prayer Oftentimes, where we pray Perhaps a little more faithfully We pray a little more precisely We say God show me your will What is happening in this situation And so what Peter is saying here Is really for the whole church This is the type of mindset we should have. You know, we live in this time where, you know, and and these Christians that Peter's writing to lived in a time where they could see that Jesus had, had ministered on earth. He had been crucified. He had been buried. And the third day he rose again. He appeared to many. And then he ascended into heaven and promised to return To bring reconciliation of all things. And we live in this end time of waiting for this great restoration and reconciliation to happen. And these Christians that Peter's writing to lived in that same time. They lived in this same time of history where we wait for this great restoration of all things. And Peter says there's a certain way to live in this time where we have clarity of mind and focus that spurs us on to prayer. So that's how Peter sets up this whole section of how we should live together. Then in verse eight, he says, above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Have you ever thought about the fact that your individual sin doesn't just end with you, it affects community, right? When we come in and gather together as a church, it's, you know, that community is affected by our sin. I think what Peter is saying here is that there are ways that communities are shaped and it would be very easy for our community to be shaped by sin. It would be very easy for our community to let sin have the last word. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, Peter I think is saying here that there's a way for the community, a way for the church to exist, for us as Christians to relate to each other where sin doesn't have the last word but instead love has the last word. So this word for, for cover in the original language, it doesn't mean that sin goes unaccounted for. It doesn't mean that we just kind of cover over that sin and pretend it didn't happen. No, there, there is a reckoning for that sin that has to happen, where individually you need to confess your sin and seek forgiveness and look to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we come into community, and what happens if somebody commits a sin and they come in to the church worship service. They come into our community and uh, they have sought forgiveness. Perhaps if they've sinned against another person, they've sought forgiveness from that other person. They come into the church community and every time they run into somebody, they're reminded of that sin. Where people say, oh, remember so-and-so and, you remember what they did? Have You ever been part of a group like that where it's like somebody has done something, they've sinned, and they've done everything they can to make it right, but they can't escape that what they did because people remind them all the time. Where people say, oh yeah, that person, you remember what they did? That was so bad. You know, Where they just cannot escape the effects of their sin. Where sin is just seen to have the upper hand. Where people are reminded of their shortcomings all the time. And I think what Peter's saying here is, no, there's a different way for a community of Christians to live together. When, when each one of us walks in the door, that we are loved and accepted, where we're not defined by our sin. If there's one place on this earth, one community that we're part of where we should be shaped by love and by grace and forgiveness, it should be right here. right? There's other places in the world we go where people will hold things against us. Where people will remind us of our shortcomings, but it shouldn't be church, right? right? This should be a place where there's love, where there's acceptance, where there's life, where you walk in the door and you feel accepted. And that's what Peter is getting at here. Where sin doesn't have the last word, but instead, love has the last word. In verse 9, he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, when Peter wrote this message, there was itinerant preachers, and they would go from city to city and village to village, and they would teach, and they would preach in the churches, and uh, they would need a place to stay. So, uh, they might show up and um, knock on your door unexpectedly. Hey, I need somewhere to stay. I'm preaching at your church. Uh, that's the worst, right? Unexpected company. Oh, boy. Ugh. Okay, so you put them up. Uh, How long are you staying for? Mm, I'm not sure. We'll see how long the Holy Spirit revival lasts. That is worse. You're going to be in my house for how long? Uh, The other thing is, many of these people that uh, Peter's writing to are not wealthy. So somebody staying at their house is a real inconvenience, right? They want to give honor to that person. There may only be one bed in in the house. Okay, yep, you can have it. There may be a very limited supply of food in the house. Go ahead, please eat all my food. Peter says, do that without grumbling. Okay, verse 10. (laughs) Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we see this very practically where uh, Peter's saying, each of you have a gift, you should use that gift to serve others, and when you do, it's an act of stewardship. God. So I think that's pretty clear this morning and obviously with our serve sign up that ties in really well and really directly this morning. Uh, One of the things that uh, Peter says in verse 11 is that he he calls out a couple of different ways in particular that we can um, serve in the church. He says if anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So the word for speaks here. Peter's not saying every time you open your mouth, you are divinely speaking the words of God, right? If you're back there having coffee and donuts, it's not like every word you say is inspired and will change someone's life, you know? He's not saying that the, hey, how's it going? How's your week? Okay, he's not saying that that is the word of God, right? What he's saying is there are certain types of speaking that communicate the love of God, the knowledge of God, The character of God that do carry an extra weight to encourage and build up the church. So we're pretty familiar with this through prophetic ministry, through words of encouragement, through speaking into each other's lives. And Peter is saying that is a really specific and and concrete way to demonstrate the love of God to other people. To speak life intentionally into the lives of other believers. And so there's an encouragement this morning to continue to do that, to speak life into each other, because that builds community and it builds trust, right? If you come in and you're aware of your sinfulness and you're accepted into a community where love covers a multitude of sins and you are accepted for who you are, and then somebody speaks life and speaks a word of knowledge into your heart, wow, that's incredible, right? It affirms your belief. Wow, oh, God really knows my life. He knows me. But it also draws you into community, right? It draws you into community. That's what Peter is getting at. And finally, he says, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. You're thinking like, oh, serve someday, not sure if I can do that. But Peter's saying there's a strength that is yours. There's a strength that you can access when you serve. You're not going to get it any other way, right? You've got to serve and then get into that strength that God provides. So Peter finishes this section by saying, All things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. He's so excited right now because he's talking about church. And he's talking about how to live and he's talking about community. It's exciting stuff. He's Saying this is how you live in a way that's really different than how the world lives. And it's good. Alright, we're going to follow the flow of scripture. Peter has just finished with a prayer. So let's pray for a moment. Controversial, I know. Prayer in the middle of a sermon. Breaking barriers. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are writing to us about how to live in community. That we can be hospitable to each other. That we can serve each other. That we can love each other. That love and Grace and freedom can have the last word, the last defining word in our community. God, help us to grab a hold of these words and to live it out, God, to serve each other, to love each other, to speak words of affirmation and life into each other. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. All right, that was part one. You guys doing all right? Yeah. All right, let's move forward to verse 12. Dear friends, we have a change of tone. We're moving into another section here. Do not be surprised that the fiery ordeal has come on you to test you. So something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Let's move on to the next slide. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, You are blessed, but the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. A funny word, meddler. You don't really see that too often in scripture. Meddler. (laughs) All right. Where am I? However, if you suffer as a Christian... Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's high soul. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So... One of the things that happens when you decide to preach through an entire book of the Bible is that you come across passages that normally you would be tempted to skip over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Has
1: anyone delved into this passage recently? Anybody heard a good sermon on suffering recently? Nope. Maybe one. Not too common, right? Um... This passage is difficult for us because it contains a couple of ideas we don't normally put together. One, suffering can actually be a good thing. And suffering can be for the glory of God. So that's what we have to kind of figure out this morning is how does, how does that work? So one thing to mention here is that for many Christians around the world and for many um, churches around the world, these verses would be incredibly helpful encouraging and important. There are many, many Christians around the world who face persecution specifically because of their faith, just like was happening in this passage right here with these original readers of this letter. So we may have a cultural disconnection with this passage. We don't understand suffering and glory. How does that all work together? But there are many Christians around the world who when they read 1 Peter, this is the passage that helps them. This is the passage that speaks above all to how they should live. So we're gonna try to understand it as best we can. But keep that in mind that there is a bit of a cultural disconnect right here. So the idea of glory and suffering. Often when we think of suffering, or we experience Some discomfort or suffering or pain We say, God, please make it stop Right? That's how we're wired, right? Seeking comfort, seek security God, please make this stop But we don't really see that With, uh, with Peter's verses here um, Instead, he says Look to it as a way to give God glory So there is a complete reorienting of our lives because of these verses, where we don't put ourselves first, we put some higher good first. So in our culture that's all about the individual and all about um, selfishness, there's still a couple of different areas I thought about where we connect suffering and glory. So one is in athletic achievement. So if you listen to sports uh, radio hosts, they want to know how much athletes suffer right? When they interview them, hey, what time do you get into the gym in the morning? Oh, 5 a.m.? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. You know, there's no time that's too early for sports journalists to hear, right? If you said to them, I get in at 3 o'clock every morning, do a couple of hours of lifting, and then I join the rest of my teammates, and then we practice, and then we travel, and then we play a game that night, and then even if we finish at midnight, I'm up at 3 the next morning. Wow. LeBron James, you're the best basketball player in the world. How do you do it? Yeah. Oh, I just, I just show up. You just show up? We don't want to hear that. We want to hear that you have to get up early every morning and that you have to suffer to become that good. Right? We don't want to hear that you're just that good. We want to know that you've had to suffer so that you can get the glory of losing in the finals. So we want to know. So... Um, you know, if you're training for a marathon, we don't want to know that you just showed up and just ran the marathon, right? Right. Where's the fun in that? We want to hear that you did a training run and it was terrible, right? You training for a marathon? Yeah, I'm training for a marathon. Great. How's it going? Oh, I had to do an eight-mile training run yesterday. It was terrible. Oh, yeah? That's great. (laughs) Uh, we don't want you to have all the glory with like the suffering, right? Um, so same with the military, right? We have this, this you know, pretty pretty firm line where we see that people, when they serve country and they go to war, there is suffering, and yet there's glory on the other side, right? Or there's 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 victory, there's the safe return home, and we honor that, right? So we do have some ideas that connect. Suffering and glory and Peter is saying there's a suffering that you can encounter as a Christian that is giving ultimate glory to God Now there are different types of suffering sometimes suffering comes because of your bad choices Mm. Sorry, so but like (laughs) sometimes you do something and you can really predictably say well, that's gonna hurt Right and in those instances is it right to say, this is for God's glory? <laughs> no. Uh, the other day, working, I was so hungry, we're going to do some work at the site, and I am so hungry, and I go into McDonald's and I eat way too much, and there was suffering. <laughs> Nothing about that glorified God. Uh, sometimes our sin and our own Dumb mistakes lead to suffering, right? Part of life right there. That's not what Peter's talking about here. There's another type of suffering that happens that actually Peter compares to and talks about in this passage, where he says there's a type of suffering that comes where you have done something so bad that society says you were a criminal. You know, he talks about a Murderer one example. There's a type of suffering that comes with that, right? You commit a crime, go to prison, there's a type of suffering that happens there to that individual. But there's another layer to it that sits on top, which is there's a shame involved there, right? There's just a shame. You know, ah, I did something wrong. And society, you know, it wants to shame people. You know, on top of the sentencing, on top of the justice system, there's a shaming that's involved there. You know what I mean? And Peter says, that's not the type of suffering either. Look at the passage he says, there's shame that comes with the type of suffering because of sinful and criminal behavior. Now, why do you think Peter isolated that particular? I think it's because these exiles, remember these are exiles on the margins of society. I have a feeling that when they got together in their church groups, they would have been tempted to say something like, man, society's treating us like we're criminals. We're just Christians. You know, I can't... Nobody will come and buy my products. can't sell anything because people know I'm a Christian. My family, they won't, they won't talk to me anymore. But am I a criminal? I'm just I'm a Christian. And Peter's saying, if you're tempted to see yourself that way, you're going to be tempted to see yourself as full of shame. Right? And Peter says, don't, don't let that come in. Don't let the feeling of shame come in. That's an entirely different type of suffering. There's no shame involved with suffering for the name of Jesus. In fact, it's the complete opposite. If you suffer for the name of Jesus, you are for last. You give glory to God. Ah, that's different. That is not how I would naturally think. But Peter's really clear in this passage. He says, we suffer, but at least the glory of God, because we are so connected with Jesus. That when people point at you and they say, that's a Christian, and because that person's a Christian, I'm going to treat them this way. He said, the fact they've labeled you a Christian and the fact that other people persecute you because you are so intimately connected to the name of Jesus, what blessing and honor is on your life? Because you're living in such a way that people say, that person is a Christian. They are a Christ follower. When you bear the name of Jesus and then you suffer for it, you are blessed. That's not how I would normally think about it." This is where we let the word of God soak into our hearts and mind and reconfigure and retool a little bit in there. He also says in verse 14 that there is a measure of grace that is poured out. You have the Holy Spirit to come in and that will help you in your suffering. He said, if you were insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you've read accounts of our stories of people who have suffered because of their faith, who've been persecuted, time and again, they will say, there was some connection to Jesus in the midst of my suffering that I had never experienced before in my life. As I sat in that prison cell and as I was tortured, there was a presence of Jesus right there with me, and I can't explain it, but it was real. And I think there's something to that that Peter's getting at in these verses. Spirit of glory, and of God rests on you. In uh, chapter 3 of 1 Peter, he reminds them, In verse 17, it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus knows what it's like, and he brings us comfort, in the midst of our suffering when we will bear his name and the suffering that goes along with it. So there we have it. 1 Peter chapter 4 written to some exiles spread out in society enduring great suffering and trial. He says endure it all for the glory of God. So let's pray together as we finish out this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for you are the great king. You have given us comfort in times of sorrow. You lead us when we are in times of suffering. God, this morning we pray for our brothers and sisters in the faith who are spread out all across the world. We don't think about them often, God, but when we read passages like this, our hearts are stirred because we remember that there are many people in the world who bear your name and suffer as a direct result. God, we ask that you would give them comfort. We ask that you would give them strength. We ask that the Spirit of God would be poured out, that the Spirit would rest upon them. God, we pray for individual Christians, we pray for families, we pray for church communities, that you would give them strength. Father God, would you cause them to be faithful, to look to you, and above all, to glorify your name in the midst of their suffering. God, we pray that you would help us God, help us to take a hold of this word this morning, to know how uh, to apply it to our lives, God. In those times where we are singled out for our faith, where people look at us a certain way because we're Christian, God, give us the words to say, give us the strength to live in a way that honors and glorifies you. We thank you, God, that you are a loving God, that you give us strength and you equip us to live for you. That your presence would rest with us.